Hey everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, where you can hear our latest teachings and conversations. Well, the original plan this morning was to actually um, have my mom up here with me, um, co-teaching but you know what? She's doing the most Linda Lamus thing she could be doing right now. And that is being with kids and showing them how much God loves them. If you know, if you know my mom at all, um, she does not need coffee. She has more energy. And you know what's really funny, actually? My mother and my mother-in-law both have more energy than everybody else in our family put together. So it's fun when they're in the same room together. That's a joke. No, it's awesome. Being silly, being crazy, having fun, all for the purpose um, that God has made known to the kids. That's, that's my mom. And I'm really proud of her. And I'm very thankful. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. Also to my mother-in-law, Manik. You know, both of these, these women in our lives, they are the first people to give themselves away. You know, when, when Jesse actually was, was put on bed rest last year, when... Um, Olive was coming. You know, Manik was the first one to just basically drop everything and say, I'm in, what do you need? And she came and lived with us until Olive was born. Just dropped everything and, and just came in and need, we needed her and she came right away. And what a gift, right? What a gift. So if I go back and I try to remember what it was like being a child with my mom, one of the first things I remember is actually sitting on a couch when we lived in Sussex, New Brunswick looking out the window. I don't think my brother, my younger brother was born yet, so it was probably, it's probably maybe two, three, four at the very oldest, not in school yet. But my mom and I would sit on this couch and we would look out the window. It's actually the house, if you're ever in Sussex, it's the house right across from where Pizza Delight is. There's like this big blue house. It was sectioned into three and we lived on, I think on the left side. Um, and we, they had this huge, beautiful windows. And I remember just looking out the window, and we would both be sharing a large container of blueberry yogurt. It's so vivid. It's crazy how, like, those, those memories, they're just so real. Um, to this day, literally, my favorite flavor of yogurt is blueberry yogurt. I love that moment. Isn't that cool? It's crazy how those moments shape us. Yeah? Like, it's crazy how much those early moments shape and nurture us. They shape you and mature you into who you are becoming. Who you are becoming. We are in our 18th week of our Ephesians series. 18 weeks. Imagine if we were in Matthew right now. We'd be in our, like, 300th week. It, thank you. It's, it's a long book. That's the joke. It's a long book. Yeah? Cool. <laughs> a mighty good future. We have been unwrapping and discovering this overarching theme of unity, togetherness, diverse community of people deeply immersed in this God-soaked world or the church. And Pastor Tim and Pastor Adam have been unpacking this for us and taking us deeper into this truth over the last few weeks. And last week, Pastor Tim left us with this amazing truth that the church is this color palette of human beings, which God has given each. Remember what he said last week? You are in each. You are in each. Each one of us a gift that we all need to experience. 
not just want to experience, but need to experience in order that we're built together. Unity, becoming mature, growing, developing, becoming. So let's jump into the text together this morning. Ephesians chapter four. If you have your Bibles, I'll give you a minute to open up. It will be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Ephesians chapter four. And we're gonna jump into verse 14 this morning. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Growing, becoming. Now, at first glance, we're, we're, we're reading almost the same talk, topic as we've been on for the last couple weeks. And in a way, we really are. Paul, the author of the letter of Ephesians, continues to stay on this topic of unity, but also within this topic of unity, there's also this conversation and this topic of who you are as an individual within the unity. So you've got this united picture, this united community, but to, to have a united community, you need to have individuals within that community, right? That's how it works. Who you are, who the people of Ephesus are within the church, who you are within the church. You know, we could be kind of at a point maybe where we're feeling, okay, Paul, we get it. God made us. We are his people. We are his children. You know, God made a promise a long time ago that he would heal and restore and save the world through his people, the church. Awesome. We got it. What's next? But Paul isn't rushing, is he? He's staying. Paul isn't quickly moving on. There are instructions that are to come, and we're going to get there, but not yet. Paul isn't just spitting off a list of do's and don'ts. I think this is extremely on purpose. He's not rushing. A list would be easier, wouldn't it, for us to kind of wrap our heads around. Okay, just tell me what to do. Give me the list. I got it. You know, thanks, Paul. I'm not going to kill anybody. I won't lie. I'll be faithful to my spouse. I won't steal. I won't be a bad person. Got it. But do behaviors, you know, a list of rules really work? Like, I mean, over time, are we meant to just kind of white-knuckle our way through life? I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty terrible to me. <laughs> that sounds pretty terrible. You know, when God created humanity, human life, is that what he had in mind, do you think? Just a bunch of people just like high, strung, anxious, just doing the right thing all the time? We've been establishing this week after week after week through what Paul is saying. But let's, let's zoom out for a moment and remember what God is up to in the world. We're going we're gonna to almost set the stage again before we go any deeper, just as a reminder. So God made a covenant or a strong promise that he was going to make everything right in the world. And we've been talking about this all throughout Paul's letter. Healing, restoring, and this would happen through his people. 
This plan of healing is going to happen through his people living a healed and restored life. So God making everything new and right in the world begins with his people. Through his presence, the Holy Spirit living in his people. Because we couldn't do it on our own. That sounds pretty great to me. That sounds like pretty good news. But it doesn't take us long to look around the world and see things are pretty broken. Yeah? The way the world is working isn't really working. (laughs) Paul uses a pretty accurate metaphor, actually, to describe how life feels in a world that isn't working. Verse 14, he describes a child, or he says infant, a child being tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves. A helpless little child overwhelmed by a powerful force like a wind and a wave. Not knowing where to go, not knowing which way is up, not knowing what's true, what's not, not knowing where we stand, just this life tossed around. Have you ever felt like that? Tossed around, not knowing which way is up, what's true, what's not, what's right, what's wrong, what do I do? You know, I used to, um, we used to visit my grandparents quite a bit in, on the east coast of the U.S. back when we could travel. And they, they uh, I grew up going to Delaware. Um, and we would do a lot of surfing when we were there. I remember just as a little kid just thinking I knew what I was doing and just getting absolutely tossed around by the waves just underwater for so long, and sometimes the waves would flip you so many times, you have no idea if you're swimming up or you're swimming down. You're trying your best, you know, to get out of debt, but you just can't seem to swim in the right direction. You're trying to beat that addiction, but you just can't seem to swim in the right direction. You're trying to be faithful to your spouse, but you just can't seem to swim in the right direction. You're trying to stop yelling at your kids, but you can't seem to swim in the right direction. (laughs) That... This is a good one. Little children tossed back and forth. Which way is up? Which way is down? I think God looks at us and he desires so much more than a struggle. What does a parent desire for their child? There you go. Yeah. What what does a mother desire for their child? I think you can really kind of sum it. Yeah, like happiness, joy, a good life. Like really at its simple form. Like I just want you to have a really good life. A matured, confident Love-filled, joy-filled life. You know, I remember so vividly the moment um, Olive and Adeline were born. There was an instant movement in Jessie. You know, she instantly, I remember, I remember the doctors, you know, delivered, especially with Adeline. Olive happened so fast, it was hard to wrap our head around. We got to the hospital, and eight minutes later, we were holding Olive. Yeah, real story. But... <laughs> Yeah, but with Adeline, it was, it, was, it was far more drawn out. And I just remember when, when the doctors, you know, grabbed Adeline and just, like, gave her to Jesse. It was like Jesse didn't even skip a beat. It just swooped, arms around. Just like that, Jesse was mother. Just like that. You know, I spent some time researching what happens when a woman becomes pregnant and the experience of motherhood because, to surprise to some of you, I have never been a mother. Um, so <laughs> stay with me. Um, so at a deep neurological level, so much begins to change at a child's conception in the mother. Scientists are still discovering new developments in this, but there are massive chemical changes that begin to take place in the brain, the midbrain, the prefrontal cortex, many other places. 
And one author actually wrote this. On the most basic level, these changes prompted by a flood of hormones during pregnancy and in the postpartum period help attract a new mother to her baby. In other words, those maternal feelings of overwhelming love, fierce protectiveness, and constant worry begin in reactions in the brain. From the moment of conception, all these begin to take place. Now, we believe, as followers of Jesus, we believe that God created human beings. As followers of Jesus, we believe that. We go back and we read the book of Genesis, and, which is a poem describing the creation event, not necessarily a science or biology textbook. And the author who we believe to be Moses, he describes this in, in chapter 1, verse 26. Then God made, or sorry, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, birds in the sky, over the livestock, and basically rule over the world. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, it says mankind here in this translation. Human beings or humankind is a more accurate way to describe the Hebrew word here in this passage. Male and female, he created them in his image. So what we see in humanity, in man and woman, first came from God. What is in man and in woman comes from God. If we believe that God created human beings, then out of God, if he says, in my image, let's make them. So from God, from his image comes humanity. God created men and women, how they work, their similarities, their differences, diversity and unity working together in a God-soaked world. What a beautiful design. God in all of his creativity and in his holiness knit together all that is within a woman as she becomes pregnant. All the changes, all the movements, all the complexities, all the beauty, all the good things a woman experiences for her child come from the very heartbeat of God. Wow. Follow this logic with me for a moment. If this is what a mother experiences and feels for her child, God experienced and felt it first. Wow. The love, nurturing, experienced in the heart of a mother comes from the heart of a loving and nurturing God. Take the love of a mother and absolutely multiply it by a billion, and that is how God sees you. Now, I know, and as, as Tim prayed, as, as Pastor Tim prayed it before I came up, a day like today holds a ton of weight. You know, you hear me say, take the love of a mother, multiply it by infinity, and you're like, what love from a mother? That's not my experience. And I get that. And I know today ton, holds a ton of heaviness and weight. But if you could, if you could dream up, like, you know, what, you know what a loving mother would have been like? Take that and multiply it by a billion, and that's how God sees you right now. That's how God sees you. I try to pull um, this love apart a little bit. You know, what is maturing love? What, what does that do? What does it look like in real life? So my first thought is this. God's maturing love is instantaneous. God's maturing love is instantaneous. There was a look in Jesse's eye as soon as Adeline and Olive were born, and I 
I remember specifically with Adeline, when, when Jesse first saw her, all she could say, I remember it so vividly, all that happened was just this resounding, oh, like there was no words. There was, there was just this, all the love coming out in this volcano, just like, oh, and Jesse's a pretty quiet person, right? And, and the, but it just, hi, Olive, <laughs> just peeking out from one of the chairs. There's this moment of just pure love bursting out of Jesse, and all she could say was, oh, it just, it was right there. Adeline didn't have to do anything. She didn't have to prove anything. She didn't have to earn anything. The love was simply waiting for her. Yeah? Jeremiah 1.5. This is the Lord speaking over Jeremiah the prophet. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now, I know that's a promise over Jeremiah. But there's a knowing before. The love was waiting for him. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. He first loved us. The beginning place with God is love. The beginning place with God is love. If you have breath in your lungs and a beating heart in your chest, God loves you. Because you are his child. Even if you don't want to acknowledge it, even if you don't even want it, it's there. It's already waiting for you. It's there. I remember finally hitting a moment in my life where I just had enough. I wasn't following Jesus. I was running completely in the opposite direction. I was broken. I felt extremely alone. And I, re- I remember taking the slightest movement towards God, almost like looking over my shoulder. Like it wasn't this big boom moment. It was just like a curiosity. Like I'm going to try again. And it was I felt a million miles away, but in that moment, God was like right there. You know that feeling? You've been running a million miles in the other direction, and you, you get that moment of like, you know what, I've made a mess of things, God, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to try to make my way back to you. But all the making stops like that because God's right there. Luke 15, Jesus tells a story of a son who basically threw away his entire inheritance Basically, through, through every blessing the father wanted to give him, back in the father's face and said, I'm good. Jesus saying this about the son. Finally, the son came to his senses and said, you know, how many of my father's hired servants have plenty of food? I have nothing. But here I am starving to death. I'll get up. I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be, uh, worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Let me just work in your house. I don't even have to be your son. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still in the distance, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. So for a father to see his son way off in the distance, what? He would have had to have been looking for him. Because you don't just see something by chance out in the distance. He was looking for his son. When is he going to come home? When is he going to come back? He ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. God's maturing love is instantaneous. Second point is this. God's maturing love is faithful. It doesn't give up. It doesn't give up. 
Having a little one or multiple little ones massively interrupts your personal time. <laughs> Our world was flipped upside down so quickly. It's crazy. As soon as, you know, I'm holding Olive or Adeline in my hands, and I'm just like, I can't, like, put her back. Like, it's, she's here. Like, life is now. I have a child. I am a father. You know, there were hard days, and our, our world was flipped upside down. Jesse's even more so than mine. There were hard days and nights. There are still hard days and hard nights. You know, and I had far more breaking moments than Jesse ever did, my word. Jesse would take whatever moment and break she needed, but the love just kept coming. It just kept coming. Even in the moments when she needed to catch her breath, cool down, the love never stopped. You know, it kept flowing out of her in spite of the screaming, in spite of the growing, in spite of the sleepless nights, in spite of the empty coffee cups. <laughs> Romans 8:38 says this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. God's love is God's maturing love is faithful. It's faithful. Psalm 86.15 says this, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding, not just a little bit, but abounding. Abounding, overflowing. You know, experiencing love that stays, that goes through seasons, ups and downs, that's rare to find in the world, isn't it? Love almost comes with a precursor of until I don't. Yeah. I will love you until I don't. But God's maturing love is faithful. It's faithful. My third point is this. God's maturing love is nurturing. God's maturing love is nurturing. It doesn't leave you where you are. It doesn't leave you where you are. Paul continues to hit the point over and over and over again in this letter. God has set his creation free to be all it was always meant to be. God has set you free to be all that you were always meant to be. And it's out of a deep heart of love for you. It's out of a deep heart of love for you. God's maturing love is nurturing. It doesn't leave you where you are. God never desired you to be tossed back and forth. His desire is for you to be mature and steadfast in all that you could be. First again, verse 15 and 16 uh, in Ephesians 4. We will grow, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Becoming, becoming. It continues to blow my mind how nurturing Jesse is with Adeline and Olive. You know, I, I use the word nurturing very much on purpose. So the definition of nurturing, just to make sure I got it right, I looked it up, means the process of caring for and encouraging the growth or development of something or someone. Desiring the growth. That's good. Encouraging growth, becoming. Eugene Peterson, um, in the same verse, 15 and 16, says this in his paraphrase, the message. I love this. God wants us to grow up. 
to know the truth and to tell it in love. Like, every, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other, unity, right? His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God. Get this, robust in love. Robust in love because what you are filled with is who you become. Robust in love. You know what the amazing thing is? The person God created you to be is the most you you could ever be. The way God made you is the most you you could ever be. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. I won't read the whole thing. It's very long. Thank you, John. I want to eat lunch. Psalm 139. For you created my most inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. When I count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That's a God who knows you. That's a God that desires you to become something. And it's the most you you could ever be. It's the most you you could ever be. You are wonderfully made, period. No buts. No except for this part. No, except for that part, you were wonderfully made, period. God designed, thought of, on purpose, intentionally. All that you are formed you out of a heart of love, period. It doesn't mean we're not broken, and it doesn't mean there's parts that need to be healed and restored. But God looked at his creation. When God made humanity, what did he say? He said it was not just good. He said it was very good, It was like the pinnacle of his creation. It's like it's building up to this moment where God says, oh, we're going to make humanity and they're going to be in our image and it's going to be very good. And they are going to be my vehicles of healing and restoration in the world. And God's creation, yes, sin entered the story, but God's original definition of creation has not changed. He doesn't look back and he say, well, whoops, I shouldn't have done that. There have been moments of healing and restoring and bringing back and dealing with sin, yes. But he never said, wow, I wish, like, there are moments of grieving in his heart where he said, man, what is, what is humanity made of this? We see that in the story of Noah. Where it's like, man, what did you guys do with this? I designed you for so much more than this. But there was still hope because he gave Noah a new story. God said it was very good. We were created to be with God. Not simply follow just correct behaviors. The beginning of the Bible, Genesis, is this picture of God and creation completely united in a perfect world. That's the garden. The end of the Bible, Revelation, ends with this similar picture, but instead of a garden, we get a city. God and creation completely united in a perfect world. That is what Paul is trying to ingrain so deeply into the readers of Ephesians and us here today. 
Live a life worthy of your call that you have received. Do you remember that from a couple weeks ago? Live the life worthy of the calling you received. Because all of it comes from a good father lavishly pouring out maturing love on his people. God's maturing love is instantaneous. God's maturing love is faithful. And God's maturing love is nurturing. It's instantaneous. It's faithful. And it's nurturing. Who are you? Who am I? The reality is we are all growing and maturing into someone, aren't we? Just like Eugene Peterson said in verse 15, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. What's growing and maturing you? What's growing and maturing you? Who is growing and maturing you? Whether you have had a loving mother or the complete opposite, you know, there's a point in your life where you decide who or what is maturing you. You know, I grew up and I had two amazing parents who loved me a ton. But I still chose to not do what they nurtured and matured me to do. So in the same, maybe, maybe you're coming in this morning and it's just like, man, I haven't experienced any of those things you described. God has a new story for you. And there comes a point where we can decide, you know what, I'm not going to live the old story. I'm going to live in the new one. Amen? Amen. Who are you? Who are you going to be? You could, we could skip directly to the list of behaviors. And Paul lays it out in the next several chapters. But Paul is, is writing to these readers and us today. And he's saying, more than any right behavior that you could white knuckle your way through, God wants you to be everything he dreamed you to be. His son, his daughter made new by the restoring and healing love that permeates out of him. More than what you could do in the right behaviors, God cares way more about who you are, what's inside. What does it say? From, from the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? Here are a few leading questions before we, we go any further into Paul's letter. And these are, we're going to end with these questions. There's a few leading questions for, just for us to as we go this week, just have a moment with the Lord even. Have you let yourself be loved by him? It's a weird question. But have you, have you let yourself be loved by him? Have you, have you let this love actually shape you? Take away all the earning, all the measuring up, all the burned out white knuckling through life. But actually let it, let it change who you are at the deepest part of who you are? Have you spent too much time trying to get everything right? That's a good one. Have you spent too much time just trying to get it right, maturing yourself on your own? Or have you let his love change you at the deepest part of who you are? Your motivations, why you do what you do, why you wake up in the morning, King David, the writer of most of the Psalms, says this in, in chapter 51. It's in this, this moment in King David's life of deep pain and brokenness. But he says this, You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. What's he saying there? He's saying, I could 
give you all the right things. I know, I know all the rituals. I know all the sacrifices. I know all the systematic things I'm supposed to do. I could do it. But if, I, if you don't have my heart, if I'm not bringing that, man, I'm just, I'm, just going, I'm, just, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do out of duty. Right? But there's this, there's this, there's this call from God for you. I want you. I want you. When we let God renew, revive, and restore who we are, our deepest self, the right behaviors just become more of a reminder. Right? Because if we are the new creation that God promises we are, we are no longer the same. I'm thankful for that. I am thankful I'm no longer the same. I am really good at making a mess of things. On my own, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, you've made me new. Because you give me a new way to look at the world. You give me a new way to look at people. You give me a new way to look at everything. Money, marriage, everything. The old is gone and the new has come. Have you let yourself be loved by him? Make you new. The memory of my mom and I sitting on the couch eating blueberry yogurt. (laughs) I don't know if that's the reason why I love blueberry yogurt. I don't know, or maybe I just really love the flavor. But those moments shape us. Those moments shape us. They nurture us. They mature us. What if we let the love of God shape us and mature us into all that God dreams us to be? More than shaping us into acting the right way on a Sunday morning or when people are watching, but when we, when we leave, we're somebody completely different, but really change us. What would our homes look like? What would our families look like? What would our island look like? We would, what would our church look like? What would our community, what would the Lighthouse Church look like? We would be united, serving each other in love because love is who we are, not just what we do, right? It's who we are. It's what is our first go-to. What if Graham and Ann knew we were followers of Jesus because we loved outrageously, period? What if, what if when people thought of the Lighthouse Church, they thought, man, those guys know how to do nice things. Why do you do that? Why did you do that? You didn't need to do that. Why would you give us this load of money for this thing? Oh, that, you didn't need to do that. Oh, because God loves you, and I do. Right? Like, those are the things that, like, that's, that's, that sparks curiosity. You know, why did you show up and help me move? You didn't, you don't, I don't even know you. Well, you're a human being and you needed help and God loves you. Okay. Why would you bring me over this casserole? It's fine. I, because God loves you and I love you. Right? Like, that's, that's, wow, okay. I, ask me, tell me more. Right? We were the first, the most grace-filled What if the church was the most generous, the most joyful, the first to celebrate, the first to offer help, the first to say I'm sorry? Because love is who we are. Because love is what happens when we let Jesus in. Love is what happens when we let Jesus in. Love is what happens when we let Jesus in. Have you you let him really love you? Have you let him really love you? Would you pray with me this morning? God, I just thank you for, I thank you for this word today. I have needed it this week. I have needed it this week. I am your son. 
I am your son. That's, that's my identity. More than any other responsibility or any other identity that is on me, you know, I'm, I am also a son, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a friend, I'm a pastor. But my beginning place is I am, I am a son of the king who is loved. God, have we, have we let you love us? And maybe the answer is yes, and we can just receive that and be full of joy. But maybe this morning we're asking that question and we're like, man, I don't know if I have. If I look at this part of my life or this part of the life, maybe, maybe there's deeper parts of myself that, man, God, I have not let you love me that way. The invitation is to be loved further. Not condemnation, not hatred, not, not rejection, but the invitation is more love. Because God, you are, you are a gracious God who is full of abounding love and faithfulness. That is who you are. Would any other definition of who you are, God, any lie from the enemy just be demolished right now in this moment? God, would, would, love, would love be the thing that is injected into our hearts today? God, for the person in this room right now who may be, just be feeling, I am way outside of the love of God. You have no idea. When the father saw him a long way off, he ran to him and met him with compassion, love, and grace. And God told, or Jesus told that story to give you a picture of what the good father is. And the love of the father is after you. And it's only good. So Lord, would you, just, would you, would you disrupt our lives with that love this morning? God, I thank you for everybody in this room. God, I thank you for this moment to be together. Remind us of that unity, being built together in unity, matured, full of love, growing together in love so that we can be love to the world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening and joining us today. If you'd like to know more about the Lighthouse Church, you can find us on Facebook at Lighthouse Graham and Ann or on Instagram at The Lighthouse GM. We'd love to chat with you more. Maybe something jumped out at you or grabbed your attention while you were listening today. We would love to talk with you and discuss some of the deeper questions of life together. God loves you. We love you. And we're in this together.